from the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Flyers AD on Brotherly Pod with your hosts, Anthony DeMarco and Daniel Lesh. Alright everybody, welcome to Flyers AD here on Brotherly Pod, appropriate during the Flyers After Dark week, we're going to do Flyers AD here. Flyers 2-0-1 to start the season, 5 points, 4th in the Metro at the moment. We will break down every game individually, but first let me introduce my co-host Anthony DeMarco. Anthony, how are you doing today? Not too bad, Dan. How about you? I'm doing good. A little tired, a little late night game last night, but... For the most part, Flyers have been flying out of the gate here. As I said, 2-0-1. They beat Chicago 4-3 in Prague. They shut out the New Jersey Devils 4-0. They lost to Vancouver in a shootout last night, 3-2. What is your early assessment of the Flyers' season? You know, I've really liked it. I feel like they had a very good game against Chicago to open the season, and I felt that they could have had at least two or three more goals if not for the great game played by Corey Crawford for the Blackhawks. Uh, New Jersey, that was one of the best games I've seen them play in no joke, I'd say six or seven years since uh, probably before Craig Berube took over. So that's saying something. It was a picture perfect game. Obviously, the the Devils are nothing to write home about this year, but it was still really cool to see the Flyers, you know, take that game by the horns early on and keep the pedal down the whole way through. And uh, as for last night's game, you know, it wasn't perfect, but it was good enough to win. And uh, Jakob Markstrom, again, played a a terrific game. The Flyers have run into some good goaltending in every single game they've played this year. And if not for Markstrom making some great saves and Travis Sanheim ringing one off the pipe at the end of regulation, they could have very easily come away with that win. Like I said, it wasn't without his flaws, but I think the fact that they got it to a shootout says something. And, you know, five out of six points to open the season is pretty much as good as you can ask for. Yeah, You mentioned flaws, but quite frankly, it's really not coming from an individual level. You know, they came out slow. I can attribute that to, you know, playing in nine different time zones over the last uh, eight days or whatever it's been, nine days. So that hasn't been doing. But, I mean, individually, there's not really one person on this team I can point out as having a bad start to the season. Yeah, you know, like, I I mean, obviously something was up with Jakob Voracek last night, only played a shade over 13 minutes, Van Riemsdyk replaced him on that top line, he took a shot in the shootout, but it looked like maybe it was something injury-related, or maybe Michel Terry just didn't like his game and sat him down, but you're right, it hasn't been explicitly bad for anyone in particular obviously there's some guys like Voracek and Claude Giroux and James Van Riemsdyk you might like to see more more of and and especially in the offensive department but yeah it's been more of like just team issues and not one individual player yeah there hasn't been the you know burn Hag at the stake chance yet or you know people have turned on bottom of Torinsky that really hasn't happened yet I mean people didn't want Torinsky to begin with we'll talk about that in a minute but overall it's been good Voracek I don't know what happened last night. He had a good first period. He uh, didn't score on a 2-1-1. 
Uh, but other than that, I didn't notice anything that would have gotten him benched. So I don't know if he was hurt, but he did take the uh, did take a shot in the shootout. So I don't know what was going on there. I haven't heard any news this morning about it either. So not sure. Maybe he was just benched. Um, I believe that was the somebody said that was the least amount of ice time he's played since 2015 or something like that. So been a while, but uh, early story here has been Carter Hart. He has been playing very well. Uh, to start the season, uh, mainly due to the lesser workload. I mean, four of the last 10 games he played at the end of last season, he faced over 40 shots. This season, uh, game one, he faced 31. Game two, he faced 25. Last night, he faced 24. So, I mean, that is, uh, you can accredit that to the team in front of him uh, playing much better hockey, that he is not, you know, the only person that gives a shit on the ice anymore. Well, you can see the forwards are coming back, helping out the defense a lot more. So that has attributed to the defense not getting trapped in their own end. And like I know people are probably reluctant to admit this, but Matt, Braun and Niskanen have meant the world of difference to this team. Braun literally gives players no space along the wall. He breaks up plays better than any defenseman I've seen on the Flyers, probably since Kimo team. And, and, and like you can just tell that for attacking forwards have a real tough time when they go down his side of the wall. Because even if they do end up getting by, it always results in a, po- a broken play on the wall. He never gets beat inside uh, of the ice. He always forces the play at the bare minimum to the outside. And a lot of times he breaks it up and sends it back out to center. And as for Niskanen, you know, I would pretty much say that he's been the most consistently best Flyers defenseman this year. Well, obviously, it's only three games, but so far this year, because obviously Ivan Provorov is the best one. But in that first game, Provorov's first half was not very good. And there was a few times where Niskanen had to come back, especially on that one two on one against Chicago to break it up. And you can just tell how much of a veteran he is and how smart he is and kind of something that we haven't seen since the early days of Mark Streit of a veteran who just knows what to do, doesn't panic with the puck. And when Niskanen gets that puck, it's getting out to, to the forwards at center ice. So these two have really been such great additions to the Flyers' back end, and in turn has resulted in good in a good start for Carter Hart. Yeah, Niskanen especially. A couple weeks ago on the Angry Negative show, I believe it was the last episode of the preseason, I, I got very angry at Niskanen because that wasn't like when I was seeing, and I said he's potentially just reeling it in, getting ready for the regular season, and that has pretty much been what's happened. He's been he's been great since the season started. Braun has been solid as well. Um, defense in general has looked great. Even Robert Haig has looked you know uh, relatively decent. You know his minutes are down. He's hovering around 16 a night uh, through the first three, whereas you know last season he was hovering more around the 20 to 21 minute mark. So his minutes are getting cut. They're relying on him less. They're giving it more to uh, Niskanen and Braun, and those two have been great. They've been great. Sanheim has looked good. Provorov has kind of been all over the place in terms of uh, what he's looking like. I, I don't know if he's back on form, but you know, especially game one, he looked a little uh, sloppy. But overall, I'm liking what I'm seeing from this defense thus far, and that is, again, a huge step forward in what has been one of the biggest issues for the Flyers in the past decade. Well, the, what Broad and Niskan have done has just perfectly insulated these young defensemen. Like, you see how much more Provorov is taking chances and getting outside of his comfort zone, which we didn't see last year. And, like, obviously it has resulted in some mishaps for him. But, like, it's not the end of the world if you have a guy like Braun who's, you know, taking care of the defensive side of things if Provorov does make a mistake. And Travis Sanheim, he's benefited so much from having Matt Niskanen on his side. Like, 
Niskanen and Sanheim, I would say, have been the Flyers' best pairing in terms of when they get their hands on the puck, it gets out. There's no questions asked. And they've been playing some pretty big minutes. Like, I think Sanheim finished with 20-52 last night or somewhere around that mark. And Niskanen was, I think, just over 19 minutes. But there's been a login for Niskanen has been over 20 minutes. And it's just resulted in a fantastic third pair of Shane Goss's beer and Robert Haig. I think Haig's looked fine. I think the minutes that he's playing in a reduced role have been um, a big reason of that. And even Shane Goss's beer, where if I were to point out one negative, he's probably been the worst one out of all six of them. But even him, you could tell that compared to last season, he's been benefiting from a reduced role. Yeah, I mean, the veterans yeah. were brought in and did exactly what they should have done and what they were exactly supposed to do. This is what veteran presence on the blue line means, not fucking Andrew McDonald. So, uh, uh, Sanheim had 22-36 last night. Haig had 16-16. Provorov, 24-31. Matt Niskanen had 19-58. Gostas Barrett, 19-22. And Justin Braun at 21-10. So, relatively even split there as well. There's not really one guy that's carrying a load besides Ivan Provorov. So uh, good to see. Good to see that. Good to see Carter Hart making the saves. One knock against Carter Hart, and it's not necessarily a knock, but it's a warning. I don't like that he's having to make all these acrobatic moves already. You know, he had that highlight reel save of the year versus the Devils. He had two uh, bigger stops last night. One of them was a goal, actually. It was the rebound that he let in, uh, I believe, the uh, Vancouver's first goal. Uh, he did a coast-to-coast split there, and there was one later in the game as well. I'm glad that he can do that stuff, and he's young, so it may not affect him right away. But if he has to make one or two of those a night, like that's how injuries happen. So I would just, you know, kind of recommend not doing that uh, moving forward because it's not going to work out sooner or later. He's, he's going to get hurt. I hope that's not the case, but... Uh, just just a warning there for Carter Hart to, you know, not do that uh, that often. Yeah, well, I think that'll come with age, right? Obviously, he's a very athletic goaltender, and he has the capability of doing that. So in desperation times, he will perform these crazy, potentially injury potential moves. But the thing is, is look at a guy like Carey Price, and I think that Hart's game, the way he plays, is very similar to Carey Price. Price is as athletic as they come, as they come, but as he's gone older, Price has become so much more robotic, and you rarely see him making these highlight reel saves because of just how great he is technically. And I think as Hart gets older, we have to remember he's only in his first full year in the NHL and his second year uh, as a whole. So I think as he gets older and he gets more mature and he gets used to the way the NHL works. I have no, um, I have no doubt that he'll eventually get to more of that robotic technique where he doesn't have to rely on his athleticism to make these crazy saves. Yeah, I think it comes with time, but just uh, in the short term, it's it's kind of, you know, it's fun to see. Makes for some good, entertaining hockey, but uh, you know, for his longevity here, it could be interesting. Some other first-year forwards having a game. Carson Turinsky scored his first. NHL goal last night, and I was just ecstatic for the kid, uh, especially because all the hate that he has received over the past couple weeks. Um, I'm glad he scored a goal. It was a beautiful little, uh, beautiful little uh, low on the blocker side, I believe. So good for Carson Turinsky, and of the two, he has looked far superior to Connor Bunneman thus far. Yeah, Bunneman has kind of been 
a non-factor, I would say. I guess that's not necessarily a bad thing for a fourth-line forward that he's not getting noticed a lot. But obviously, Torinsky playing higher in the lineup on the line with Lawton, and for the most part, JVR has been very noticeable in every positive way. He's hard on the forecheck. I think he's shown some good speed, creating space for Lawton and Van Riemsdyk. And, you know, like you said, he took a lot of heat for just making the team out of camp because, as we know, People want the rookies to make it, but only specific rookies should make it. Mm -hmm. And all the other ones should be Dan. So, yeah, I'm really happy for Twarinski. And I think even when Nolan Patrick, hopefully he comes back, I'm pretty confident to say that he's a flyer to stay here. Yeah, I I think he's at least for now uh, earning his keep there. So that is good. He played the third uh Bunneman had uh, 826 vice time last night which is by far the lowest on the team uh Torinsky had 1056 which was second low uh third lowest rather only to Mike Roffel's 1044 so rolling him in limited minutes but some other forwards when AV verse shook up the lineups after preseason the 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 generic lineups you all thought you know Giroux, uh, Couturier, Konechny, and the second line of uh, Hayes, Voracek, and uh, JVR. We all thought that's how we're going to run the season. They uh, use those lines during the preseason. Didn't really work. Nothing was happening. Nothing was clicking. Changing them up. Top line of Giroux, Hayes, Voracek, and the second line of Lindblom, Couturier, Konechny. I mean, he struck gold with these lines. Hayes and Giroux have been a great pair, and Lindblom and Konechny have been a great pair. So, you know, hey, that shakeup is uh, what has gotten the Flyers off to such a hot start thus far. Yeah, and it's crazy because I thought, you know, just when look at these lines, before they shook them up, obviously it started with the Giroux, Couturier, and Konechny as the top line in the training camp. But I often thought, like, man, if you put Voracek back with Giroux, who has always been at his best with Giroux, and you stick Hayes in the middle of that, and then you drop Katori and Konechny down to the second line, that could probably end up with some damn good matchups and top two lines here, and that's what's happened. And, I, you know, people just get, like, overreact to everything, and I think it's just because they forget what it's like to have a creative coach. Like, Laviolette switched around his lines all the time, and that's how you find... These, as you said, as you struck gold, strike gold with some lines, and how you find different ways to, you know, make it difficult for the opposing team to match up against you. I think Hayes has been terrific. Obviously, he just has one goal to show for it. But man, this guy plays in all areas of the ice, and when he puts his head down and drives the net, he's going through. And he could easily have one or two more on this season if not for some great goaltending that he's faced. And I think he's complimented Giroux a lot with that play. And as you said, the second line has been terrific. I find Limblom is finally starting to live up to some of the potential that everyone had hyped around him. And Konechny has just been the best forward consistently on this team through the first three games. Konechny with three goals and three assists already in three games. It's phenomenal. But yeah, Kevin Hayes. You know, I was uh, rather mean to Kevin Hayes over the summer. Uh, And listen, I still hate that contract. It's still going to bite the Flyers sooner or later. But as a player... I am more than willing to admit that I undervalued what he brought to the team. He has been phenomenal in every area of the ice. He should probably have five or six goals right now, as you alluded to. Uh, there have been quite a few uh, net front where the goalie made the save or he whiffed on it or missed the net by a little or hit the post or whatever. He has been 
all over the net. And every time Giroux and Hayes are out there in the offensive zone, they look they're they're magic out there together. So I mean, Kevin Hayes is bringing so much more to this team than I was ever willing to give him credit for. Well, it, it's you know Chuck Fletcher said it when he signed him, and it's been so true that he fit every possible need that the Flyers wanted. They wanted depth at center. They wanted a guy who could help the PK. They wanted more size. He fits all of those potential roles, and he scores, and he gets chances, and he bulldozes his way to the net, and he plays on the penalty kill, and he makes Giroux better, and I find that he makes Voracek better. Obviously, Voracek didn't have a two-game game last night, but he's looked reju- rejuvenated beside Kevin Hayes and Claude Giroux. I just find that Hayes is a guy that you want to put him between the two best players on the team, he'll fit that role. You want to drop him to the third line to play more of a checking role with Lawton and Torrance, he could fit that way too. You want him playing on the top power play, he could do it. Top penalty kill, he can do it. This guy just plugs every possible hole, and I don't think he's ever going to get more than 60 points a year, but the way he plays, if he even scores 45 to 55 points a year, hopefully more towards 55, and does all the other little things right, that contract is fine by me. Obviously, in four or five years down the road, we may want to reevaluate that, but the guy's still young. I think he's 27 years old still. I still think that the Flyers could have five really solid years from Kevin Hayes, and even if he doesn't hit the 60-point plateau, I think we've seen that he brings a lot more to the ice than just pure offense. Yeah, I, you know, he brought he's bringing everything as you alluded to and and it's great to see that cuz especially with Nolan Patrick's injury. You know, if they did not address the second line center role this summer and Nolan Patrick went down, I mean Scott Lawton would be their second line center right now. So, you know, he's obviously been more than an insurance policy. He's been just just great. I mean, I have really nothing bad to say about Kevin Hayes thus far and that is uh much better than I thought I would be uh, you know, a couple months back. Well, it's every guy that the Flyers brought in this year has been just amazing, at least in my opinion. Like, obviously, Justin Braun is more of a subtle defensive player, but I don't know if you've noticed, but the way Braun gets the puck to the net every single time has been something that I never thought he was capable of doing. I thought he was just a strictly stay-at-home defenseman, shot-blocking guy, got his sticks in lanes with the San Jose Sharks, but I think that's just a testament to who was playing in front of him. You know, when the two other right-shot defensemen on the team are Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, you're not going to have a lot of leeway to make offensive plays like that. But just the simple plays he does of, you know, breaking up plays in his own end and bring that slight offensive element to his game, he always gets a puck on net. It's not the biggest shot, but there's been a few times specifically when Katori deflected it right in front of Schneider where he's made really smart plays. We've mentioned how Niskanen has just been so smart in every aspect of the defensive zone and has even chipped in some offensive plays with that beautiful assist on last night's tying goal. And we touched on Kevin Hayes. So, you know, A-plus for Chuck Fletcher on evaluating the needs of this team and going out to get these players without giving up anything on the roster from last season except for Radko Gudas. And I think that's the biggest key to all these additions is he added Matt Niskanen, Justin Braun, and Kevin Hayes, and the only thing he gave up from the roster last year was the third pairing Radko Gudas. So you know what? Hats off to Chuck Fletcher for making these additions at such a low cost. 
And there were so many folks over summer that, that brought out their spreadsheets and got, oh, Radko Gudis was the best defenseman on the team last year, and they're losing more than him, and Niskanen's a veteran, and he's old, and he can't hang. But, like, he has been great. Everybody got mad when they acquired Justin Braun because, oh, we traded a second and third round pick. What are we going to do? We need draft picks. And and he's been great. He's brought far more to the team than I even thought he was going to. I thought he was going to be your typical kind of stay-at-home defenseman. But uh, he's been uh, a little bit of everything thus far. He's playing about 20 minutes tonight. He played 21 last night. So, again, it's great to see that this defense is is working out the way that they thought it would. Braun and Niskanen have been great additions, and that's exactly what they needed. This is the veteran presence, everybody. This is what that term is supposed to mean, not fucking Andrew McDonald falling down six times a night. You know, it's competitive hockey, and it's the way to build a team, especially when you have young 21-year-old Carter Hart in net. He should not be facing 40 shots a night like we open the show with. 25, 30 shots is a good rationale for him right now. That's what they need. This has been, uh, the defense mind of the team overall has been great. Kevin Hayes has been an addition. Couturier has always been a solid player. Like, the the two-way efforts of this team, both forward and defense-wise, have been phenomenal. And this is is the most complete Flyers team I have seen in at least a decade. Maybe more than that. Well, to be quite honest, it just makes you realize that a lot of people who complained about these like acquisitions don't really watch the game and they just rely on spreadsheets and it gets me upset because people nowadays since analytics has become a thing which i would say has kind of surfaced over the last seven or eight years that they disregard intangibles and i am sorry but when kevin when a guy like kevin hayes joins the team and and automatically gets an a on his jersey that means something when you see how guys like sanheim and provrov are expanding their game and taking chances because of the partners that they have that means something and i think it was your your other co-host on the angry and negative show jim that said it were to touch on what you just said about veteran presence where Last year, if Andrew McDonald tried to lecture Ivan Provorov about something, Provorov would look down the bench and say, you know what, fuck off, you're a plug. If a guy like Justin Braun, who's been to a Stanley Cup final, Matt Niskanen, who's won a Stanley Cup, says something, those kids are going to listen. And that's what these people who just sit behind their spreadsheets and have never laced up a pair of skates in their life don't understand. They're not robots. People's personalities make a difference to the team. And like you said, I don't give a fuck about second and third round picks that may be a solid third liner four years, five years down the road from now. And people, I'm just so happy that these three have highlighted the Flyers so far and how good that they've been. So all these idiots who rely on spreadsheets to just stand on some form of an opinion can just stick it down their throat and realize that they actually don't know what they're talking about. Yep, and that goes back to Carson Torinsky. You know, people fucking hated that he made the team, and I had somebody later, more of a rational person, go, well, Daniel, they're not mad that he made the team, they're mad that Fairby didn't. But, like, that doesn't matter. You're still taking out directly on Torinsky. They're not They're not mad at the front office. They're not mad at the general manager. They're mad at Carson Torinsky himself. He doesn't bring much to the table. Listen, Farabee's been great. I've been at those Phantoms games. All right? Those two games were phenomenal that he played. He and Phil Myers have been great. But you know what? It's not hurting him that he's down there doing that. 
He's going to be able to make the transition great, and Terensky is up in the NHL, and he's doing great in the third-line role that he's been given. There's no reason to get angry there. You have Niskanen and Braun who've come in, well, again, with that veteran experience. Niskanen won a cup. Braun's been to a Stanley Cup final. Niskanen has been on successful teams for at least a decade now. He's been with Pittsburgh since 2010, I believe. Uh, Braun's been in San Jose since 2010 when he debuted. I mean, uh, these two know what it means to be successful. Andrew McDonald never did anything worthy of note before he got here. So, like, it's just, it is a well-oiled machine of a team right now. And, again, if they continue to play this entire season with half of the tenacity that they've played the first three games with, this is going to be a good year. Well, it just goes back to what people think that because their spreadsheets mean this, that they know more than the professionals and guys who are running the organization. And, you know, I saw a tweet that you put out yesterday where you said, I hate to admit it, but Curtis Gabriel has been terrific with the Phantoms. And I remember people were having mental breakdowns because Curtis Gabriel was listed on the Flyers' main roster on Cap Friendly. And like, oh, he's a plug. He brings nothing to the table. This, that, and the other thing. Well, you know what? I'm feeling pretty confident now for a guy like you who has season tickets to the Phantoms, who watches the actual games, to say he's playing that well. And that means that in an injury situation where they need to dip into the Phantoms, they have Curtis Gabriel to call up instead of guys like, oh, I don't know, Taylor Lear or... Verobiev, who really came up and did nothing and brought nothing to the table. And I, I love the depth that Fletcher has brought to this organization. I think they have a lot of guys on the Phantoms who can come up and step in. And like you said, Farabees look great, Myers's look great with the Phantoms. But you know what? The Flyers have got five of six points. So just because they didn't make the team, it doesn't mean that the sky is falling because clearly the Flyers don't need those guys right now. No, they don't. And And Gabriel has been great. Like, it just he's been very, very noticeable. Probably one of the best on the team, with the exception of uh, Farabee and Myers. Frost has been fine. He's not doing anything wrong, but he's not necessarily doing anything, you know, phenomenal either. Ratcliffe has been more noticeable in the fir- uh, the more recent two games. The season opener, he was kind of invisible, but uh, he's out there. He look his body looks like he's more in control. I remember during the preseason when he was with the Flyers, he carried the puck in the zone, chipped it to the corner, ran the defenseman over to go get. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you can't do that, bud. But, uh, yeah, he's been much more in control. I really liked what I've seen from the Phantoms in general, with the exception of the goaltending. The fucking lion Bruby duo is, is just complete ass. But other than that, I mean, the Phantoms have been uh, really off to a uh, strong start. I think it was their uh, overall play in the first game where they were playing hot potato with the puck from start to finish that, that cost them that game, and they got shut out. But overall, I've liked what I've seen. Fairby and Myers have come as advertised. Um... You know, Myers, a lot of people were calling for him back up to the NHL, but they don't have the room for him right now. But the best thing for Myers would probably be an NHL spot so he can learn how to play the NHL game. I, I just He's so noticeable in the Phantoms because he does a lot of amazing things on the blue line in terms of movement. And it's that kind of stuff that gets him burned on the NHL, and we've seen that quite a few times. I've compared him to Evgeny Medvedev excuse me, on past shows. Because he just he tries to play a style that just doesn't necessarily work at the NHL level. And I think the only way to get around that is having him playing at the NHL so he can learn from his mistakes. But, you know, this is clearly a team that is not interested in kind of learning on the fly at the moment. I think this is a team under Elaine Yo and Chuck Fletcher, and obviously with the new additions of you know, Hayes, Niskan, and Braun, and how well the team has been playing overall. 
this is not a team that's interested in learning on the fly anymore or making excuses. So I think that's why Myers is down. So uh, some time down there with the Phantoms is not going to hurt him. And uh, Farabee will probably, I would assume he's called up as soon as Wierenski is healthy and they send him down. Uh, I can't imagine they call Myers back up unless somebody gets hurt. So Farabee will probably be the call up because he's been just utterly dominant for the Phantoms through the first, uh, for his first two games and the Phantoms' first three. Well, the thing about Myers is, and I know all the analytics people are going to get pissed off with this, but Hag has done exactly what you want from a number six defenseman. Because when you trot out your third pairing, you don't want them taking chances usually. And the Flyers have a guy in Shane Goss's beard where his game is literally taking chances up the ice. Yeah, so yeah. his partner wouldn't ideally be a guy who's doing the same thing. Hag does a lot of little things right, and he plays a very modest game. And, you know, does he get burned sometimes? Well, yeah, he's a number six third-pairing defenseman. It's going to happen. He's more likely to get burned than the top two lines, or the top two pairs, I should say. But people just see what Myers does on the Phantoms and how he stands out, like you mentioned, and makes all these flashy plays, and they're just like, oh, well, he's clearly better than Robert Hag. But, like, you don't need all defensemen doing the same thing at the NHL level, and especially a defenseman who's pretty much just there to eat some quick minutes while the top guys get rested and come back on the ice. I think Hag has been good for what he is supposed to be thus far in the season. I think that he's covered up a lot for Shane Gostaspear. There was a sequence against New Jersey where Gostaspear got got his uh, the play broken up about two or three times, and Hag just took it, settled it down, and gave it back to Gostaspear until he finally got a good outlet pass going. And I don't think it's a big deal if Myers has to spend another year down there. You know, there's no rush here. And if Hag is a guy who you know, helps this team win in the short term. That's what I think should be the goal. We've spent so many years, you know, waiting for these prospects to come up. And now it's time to win. We don't need more development on the fly, like you mentioned. And what is so crazy about this hot start for the Flyers is that there are some people who will just refuse to be happy with the team. Because I had one person tell me, that this team would have been just as good if Hextall was still the GM. <laughs> God, these people are fucking idiots. Yeah, Myers, Myers is 22. He turns 23 in January. You know, it's not going to hurt. And everything you just said about the defenseman, you know, the favoring Robert Haig over Myers, that's the exact same thing that was going on with the forwards, with Torinsky over Farabee. It doesn't hurt that these guys are here in the NHL right now. It just doesn't. I, I know everybody wants to have the flashy players and the analytics darlings and this and that, and that's great and sure and fine. I would love if Farabee and Myers were on the team, but it doesn't hurt that they're not here. This isn't 2015 where instead of Phil Myers and Joel Farabee, they're rolling with uh, Chris Vandevelde and Andrew McDonald. Like, that's not happening anymore. The players that are in the NHL right now on the Flyers roster have been great through the first three games. There's no reason to fuck with that at the moment. So, you know, again, if Haig came out and he was shit and he was noticeably shit, or if Torenski and Bunneman weren't able to hang, you know, that'd be one thing, but everybody has played their role and done their job thus far, and the Flyers are 2-0-1. Stop complaining about everything! Well, like, look, just take the uh, overtime last night when they got the penalty in overtime. Did you see how well that PK unit was running with yeah, Lawton, yeah. Niskanen, and Hag? 
And everyone could say, well, if Hag wasn't in the lineup, then Ivan Provorov would be there and be just as good. How do you know? Because to be honest, that triangle setup they had where the three of them each blocked a shot was as good as it gets. And I'm sorry, the Flyers have the offensive defenseman, uh, like enough offensive defensemen to be successful. Like, for God's sakes, they don't even have Sanheim on the power play right now. And I think Provorov and Niskanen, Niskanen have been amazing on the second unit. So I would rather another good stay-at-home defenseman as your number six for situations like that than a guy like Myers. And I'm not trying to bash Myers. And I think next year he'll probably come up and replace a guy like Justin Braun as he's still unsigned and we don't know what what his future holds. But in the time being, it's not a big deal. I think that they've addressed what they needed and they needed guys who brought different elements to the team. Like, Myers is just more of, you know, the upside of Provorov and Sanheim and Shane Goss' beer, while Hag kind of helps out what Niskanen and Braun were meant to do. The Flyers lineup right now, like you said, is very evenly balanced and as good as it's been since, I would say, the 2011-12 season. And I don't think just loading up the team with a bunch of skill and flashy players is the way to do business. Because you know what? A team like the Arizona Coyotes have done that, and they're struggling to score goals like hell. I think it's uh, most fans playing one too many games of NHL 20 where they just load up the rosters with the, the best players without taking into consideration any real-life effects. But, yeah, that's what's going on. Myers and the Phantoms. Also, it's not necessarily a worry, and we probably won't be talking about this much till the end of the season anyway, but he's on the expiring year of his ELC, so the longer he's sent down there, the less money they're going to have to pay him next summer because he won't be in the NHL doing amazing things. So, you know, that'll help him. They're cap crunch. They're going to need every dollar they can get. So just an uh, added bonus there of Phil Myers being down. But, yeah, not the end of the world. And you know what? Let the Phantoms win some games. There's enough talent down there where Faraby and Myers can carry that team give these younger kids some experience, you know, the the, the Rubsovs and Frosts and Ratcliffs and, uh, of the world, that they can learn how to play better, and they'll be better when they get up here. Like, uh, I just, I, I don't get why people get so angry about this stuff. Well, it's just, well, we've said it numerous times, especially you, where they're just, they're still Ron Hextall disciples, oh, where God. they refuse to just acknowledge that the team is good now. Like, all they think about is the future. Like, People will just go onto YouTube and watch Morgan Frost and Joel Farabee highlight real videos and go on their hockey DB plays and be like, oh my God, they were drafted first round. <laughs> and like, it's like, for fuck's sakes, guys, like, I know that they're the flashy high end prospects, but like, other players warrant to make the team as well. And I respect guys like Carson Torinsky and even Bunneman who came in and no one gave them a snowball's chance in hell and they banged down the door to get that job. You know how much I'm happy that Robert Hag is succeeding? That he is just bashed relentlessly by the fan base? And you know what? Is he anything more than a decent number six defenseman? No, probably not. But you need those players on your team. You can't just, like you said, like load it up with high-skilled, like creative, tiny players like you do in NHL video games. You need balance. And I just don't understand why people are refusing to acknowledge a team that has got off to the best start in, 
Uh, and I'm not just talking about wins here, but I'm even talking about the way that they're playing. The best start that I've seen them do for a, quite a while, I would say, again, since 2011-12. Uh, statistically, I think it was, I don't know when year they started this good, but it was before the lockout that they had a, a start this good. So, you know, that's been good. Uh, Flyers upcoming schedule, they play at the Flames Tuesday night, the Oilers Wednesday night, and then the Stars on Saturday. Those games, the Flames and Oilers games, going to be two pretty interesting games. I mean, the Oilers have been off to an incredibly hot start, thanks to, of all people, James Neal. Uh, so... What do you make of the Flyers and their next two games here in Western Canada? Well, the schedule sucks. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate the schedule. But, I mean, the only decent thing is, like, to this point, they really haven't played any elite teams. Obviously, now they're going to be playing the undefeated Edmonton Oilers, who have gone off to a hot start. Um, I, I'm kind of excited here because... I feel like these games are going to be more wide open. You know, I've mentioned that they've been running into super hot goaltenders, and I think that playing either Dave Riddick or Cam Talbot or Miko Koskin or Mike Smith will kind of, you know, show that what the Flyers can do when not playing elite goaltending, at least in the offensive department. Uh, I'm a bit worried because I think it's safe to say that Brian Elliott will get one of these two games. Uh, I would assume it's the the back half against the Calgary Flames where they're going to, you know, trot Elliott out there. But, uh, you know, th I, these are two teams that I think are important for the Flyers to play against. Because on one hand, you get the Edmonton Oilers, where, as I said, they're, they've been super great offensively. But defensively and in net, they're not the best. And I think this is a good opportunity for the Flyers forwards to showcase how powerful they can be. And Calgary is the first top-end team that the Flyers are going to play this year. And I think that it will be a, a good, you know, a litmus test to see how good this Flyers team really is. So I think both of these two upcoming games are really going to show what this team is made of. Yeah, I, I agree entirely. Flames got blown out of the water by the Golden Knights last night. But uh, other than that, the Oilers have been strong. I would assume Elliott gets the game against Calgary. I would, <laughs> If they put him in against fucking McDavid, I'm not going to be happy. But um, yeah, I, I, these are going to be two interesting tests. See if they can slow down a team. This is going to put the defense to work, a, a team like the Oilers. And if they can compete at the level that the Flames have been lately. So uh, a very complete team there in Calgary they have. So will be interesting to see what happens uh, over these next uh, couple games. But uh, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, I, I just, before we close out here, I just wanted to say how great this team looks under a legitimate coaching staff. And I'll just double back to that game with the Devils where they really came out strong. And the door could have been blown off way um, – it could have been blown open way earlier in the game if not for some great goaltending by Corey Schneider. But it's nice to see a team that even though it's not going quite right early on, that they stay with it. Or even when they have a lead early on, they don't take their pedal – their foot off the pedal. And I think that has a lot to do with the coaches behind the bench, that the mentality of this team that you can, re you can really see has changed under Alain Vigneault and Michel Terrier and Mike Yo. I mean, they are bringing a no BS kind of attitude to this team. And they have been just great. It reinvigorated the team from start to bottom. The addition Chuck Fletcher has made, like we've talked about uh, throughout the show, have been great. It is the perfect storm 
to get this team some wins, get them some, some uh, get them some experience, put them back in a playoff picture, and hopefully they can keep up this level of competition throughout the whole season. Yeah, and uh, you know I just can't say enough good things about what Chuck Fletcher did this off season. I know it's a small sample size, but like we touch on the additions in Hayes, Niskan, and Braun, the coaching staff he brought in. Even if they do lose some games and they go on losing streaks, this small sample size has instilled like a sense of trust within this organization that they will turn around and fight through any adversity that comes their way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, uh, not enough good things to say about Alain Vigneault thus far. He's been just great. Uh, you know, I was neutral to his hiring at first, mainly because we were still hungover from the uh, Quinville loss but uh he's come in he's been great brought everything that this team needed and it is <laughs> beyond incredible to have a human being of a coach behind the bench rather than that freaking robot dave haxtell or or uh craig bruby so nice having a real coach totally forget this is like and there have been periods in the past three games where i'm like it, <laughs> instinctively something bad will happen i'm like oh no this is it this is the beginning of the end because that's how it be under dave haxtell but uh, i mean they have been able to uh, continue to bounce back through all adversity they face this far. So it's great. I mean, this is this is Flyers hockey that I just have small fading memories from, from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So it is great to see that there's finally some life on this team again. Yeah, honestly, like nothing but positives thus far in the season. Yep. Well, uh, I will be back tomorrow night. With the OMB podcast with special guest Riley Cote. As for Brotherly Pod here, I'll be back Thursday night with Angry Jim for the Angry Negative show. Uh, Anthony, got any plugs to get on? Uh, yeah, you could just find me at adamarco 25 on Twitter and my work at the fourth period. And you can find me at Dan the Flyer Fan, find the site at Brotherly Puck, at Brotherly underscore pod, at National Puck, and at National Pod net. Uh, I think that's it, everybody. Flyers continue to play well. I'll be back on Thursday. But uh, until then, goodbye and good night.